here, there, and everywhere. SAFM 104.5 FM in Stellenbosch. Ten minutes after one o'clock. Uh, I'm with you until three. My name is Pimelo Modine. So, I mean, the world at the moment is in absolute turmoil, I have to say. Um, I think we see our problems in South Africa and sometimes it gets to feel like we are the only ones in the turmoil. But all you have to do is just really look around. There are issues with Brexit in the UK, obviously with a new prime minister. Uh, there are issues in the US, um, the border control issues, massive, massive issues around there. And, and the kind of evictions that you've been hearing and people being removed from families and so on and shootings in the U.S. And there are issues everywhere. And in Hong Kong as well, we've been hearing now day two of a, of a protest at the airport. So we know uh, the Black Umbrella protest movement has been agitating for change for a long, long time. And uh, it's come to this point now where there is a sit-in at the airport. It is now day two and there is chaos. And the, the, um, the police obviously are trying to manage the the the, 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 the the, the crowds and so on and it's become a little bit uncomfortable it's become uncomfortable for the city so it's become uncomfortable for the protesters it's become quite sensitive also for for people who are trying to manage this con- uh, the police who are trying to manage the the crowd and obviously there's been brutality they're saying that they've been quite brutal in managing them and so on and yesterday uh, a journalist came across a young lady who had obviously been in the who had caught up in the middle of all of this, and she happened to be a South African young woman. And I want you to hear this clip because I'm going to ask you how you feel about her sentiments. Because after that went viral yesterday, Twitter literally went abuzz. Listen to what she had to say. From South Africa to move away from this, like South Africa has this. Come on, mate. It's not the Hong Kong that I've learned to love. Like everybody is so like everybody in Hong Kong is so lovable and welcoming for all foreigners and then to experience this it just it hurts me. It really hurts me. How do you feel about the police actions to the protesters? (laughs) There's a good and a bad to both protesters and there's a good and a bad to police. And I just wish both sides would just stop. Like, I understand what they're fighting for and I appreciate what everybody's fighting for, but this is not what we're supposed to be like. We're supposed to be fighting together, not against each other. This is not the Hong Kong that I want to be in. Really, I don't. I would rather go back to South Africa. This is what I'm going to be living with for the next few years. It's unacceptable. So 13 minutes after one, your comments on that. This is uh, a young woman who uh, it it seems like she went to Hong Kong, according to her, to run away or walk away from this type of thing. She's calling it this kind of thing in South Africa. And that she'd rather come back to South Africa if this is the kind of Hong Kong that uh, she's now going to be exposed to. I'd love your comment on this one on 0891-104-207. I also happen to have three guests with me. Karabo Kakao, who is a DA member of the Free State Legislature, is in our uh, Bloemfontein studio. And Naledi Chirwa, who is an EFF member of Parliament. Fazia Hassan, ANC member of Parliament as well. Uh, good afternoon, and thank you so much for joining us, young people, young ladies. Hi. 
Hi, Oz Pamela. Thank um, you so much for having us over. I, I'm trying to figure out who I've lost on the line there. So um, who am I speaking to now? You are speaking to Karabo. Karabo, thank you for, so much for joining us and welcome to the show. Fazia, do we still have you on the line? F- Fazia is not here. Naledi, are you on the line? All right, so we've we've lost both of them, but I'm going to stick with you, Karabo, because you are in our studio, so we can start with our conversation as we get them back on the line. I mean, first of all, uh, here's a young person on the other side of the world, Karabo, and uh, it was quite ironic when I was listening to her speak, this idea, right, that South Africa is all hell and there is this utopia somewhere else and the rest of the world is, is safer, nicer, and uh, voila, we suddenly realize... No, it's not quite that. What was your reaction to that, Karam? I mean, firstly, let's deal with this, right? Different people experience different levels of pain every day in different spaces. And in the case of South Africa in particular, the, the pain that is felt by women on a daily basis of not being able to walk around the, the streets in the evenings without the fear of not coming back whole without your positions or even a life is a daily fear that we face as, as women in society. And so th- that reaction speaks true to literally the kind of plot that we exist, that, that we exist within in society and that the, the utopia that South Africa is a beautiful country um, with all its diversities is something that we're yet to fully experience and live under because it's all fair and great to have that level of diversity, to have the cultures uh, um, uh, uh, in its different forms that we have in South Africa. But until we can exist in a world where peace, where we can all exist in peace, then we're yet to to, 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 to experience freedom and live under freedom when we're not there yet. So, I mean, is there a place where all of that is possible, where there is that utopia? Um, some might say it's heaven. Um, some may say, <laughs> and some may say it's a South Africa where we have a different administrative order. It's a South Africa where we finally have a police service that does its duty, where we finally have a government that puts its money where it's supposed to be put instead of living in the chaotic mess we live in currently. And that is a South Africa that I think we all aspire towards. This is a South Africa that we can still achieve, that we shouldn't grow tired of working towards. But we're getting there, I think we should. Let me welcome Fazia, who's on the line now. We've got Fazia Hassan back on the line with us, who is an ANC member of parliament. And I'm hoping Nanledi Shiro is also back with us, EFF member of parliament. Are you both on the line, ladies? Yeah, I'm back on the line. Thanks very much for joining us. I mean, I don't know if you you catching us in the middle of a conversation. We were just lamenting about that uh, that that video that went viral yesterday of a young lady who was caught in the in the middle of the protest in Hong Kong, who happened to be South African, who was saying, yeah. "Well, she thinks she had she thought she was going to the space where everything is happy, everything is great, and here she is finding herself in the middle of a protest. She'd rather go back." Your reaction to that? I mean, Twitter was ablaze yesterday. I'll start with you, Naledi. I mean, many people already have highlighted the fact that you know, it's just another session of white fragility and white fear. But I think what it should also highlight us is the fact that there cannot be such an existence if capitalism is so the stronghold um, of many of our countries and many, in fact, of all continents, let's say. And the fact that socialism is still a backbone or, or other something that socialism is not find expression. There is no peace in the in the in the in the space of capitalism. Capitalism works to exploit. And then whoever is at the receiving end of that exploitation will fight back, will resist. And the fact that whiteness has no relationship with the kind of resistance of what we are being uh, essentially being brought forward to. Um I think the lady was was, was 
pretty much been what many white South Africans are, and that is, you know, intolerant of people's oppression and yet working to serve the same oppression by acquiring or not even fighting the same privileges that is afforded to them by the same oppression. Fazia, I mean, you know, earlier on we had Karabo throwing shade indirectly to your uh, uh, governing party, the ANC. What did you make of that lady's comments? Hi. Mm. Unfortunately, you know, we had some uh, logistical difficulties. I didn't actually hear what the comment was. Mm. Um, so what I'll do is I'll just provide my reaction to the video yes. I think that we all saw on Twitter yesterday. Yes. And I have to say that I agree with my lady. I think this is an example of how people think, I mean, particularly white people, have thought that going away to another country sort of, I think, creates a situation that allows them to really relish in privilege. I don't think that there's anything wrong with the process going on in Hong Kong. People are fighting for basic human rights and democracy. Um, and of course, that kind of is necessary in order uh, for, for people to exist. So I think the notion that you're going to another country, I, I ran away from South Africa to escape this, to escape people exposing and, and, and utilizing their democratic and constitutional right to protest, I think it's a fundamental flaw in that. Uh, and to be honest, I was ashamed watching that video. As a South African, I was ashamed to see another South African go on international television um, and say this, those, those sorts of things. It was, it was really awful, actually, to watch, and it really made me feel like um, there's a lot of work to do, particularly so, in the question of social cohesion. So, so Karabo basically was saying, and I, I, please correct me if I'm wrong, Karabo, you were saying if we had better leadership, this kind of thing would not be happening. South Africa would be a bit of a utopia itself. As a DA, you guys have been in charge in Cape Town for a long time. The, uh, Cape Town is not a utopia. Mm, sure. I mean, firstly, let's deal with that, right? Mm. So let's first deal with the idea that one when one is uncomfortable or displeased with the status quo mm-hmm. them hoping from a different hoping for a different social order mm-hmm. is automatically seen as an outcry of white privilege that is ridiculous i think the reason why we even have protests to begin to begin with is because people in themselves want to have a better society at the end of the day so it is quite ridiculous to reduce the fear of have, of existing in an unpeaceful society or resisting any form of violence whatsoever or, or, or distress reducing it to, to, to such outcries so that's the first thing mm-hmm. the second thing that we need to deal with is say sure the Democratic Alliance has been ruling in in the Western in, in the Western Cape and the one thing that we should not neglect is that the Western Cape is the best run province in the country it's proven by the levels of unemployment which are the lowest in the country it's proven by the levels of economic developments which are the highest within the country it's proven by the 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 the, the, the by the levels of, of, of life expectancies, which are the highest within the country. So these are the kind of things that we don't need to, 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 to turn a blind eye towards just because it's convenient. Yes, we have a very long way to go, but in comparison to all the other ANC-run governments within the country, the Western Cape remains by a far margin better. You see this also in our municipalities, in the Midvale municipality, for example, which has gotten clean audits, for example, in, in, in five years consecutively. You've seen this in, in, in Twane. We've seen in this in the city of Johannesburg when we've absorbed municipalities that were literally bankrupt and didn't have money to operate and we've turned the situation around and are taken, take, finally taking the lives of people seriously. But back to the topic at hand, right? So we exist in a society genuinely where 
it's hard being a woman and perhaps at a later stage we need to go back to defining what it means to be a woman because one either i'm not old enough to be a woman and be recognized as worthy of talking on issues of 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 women in society secondly also either i'm not um underprivileged enough to be speaking on issues and the plights of 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 women in society thirdly also my biology might not even be sufficient to warrant me a conversation on women and these are the things that we need to probe when even before we can speak of the representation of women in general in society but that's that's where i'm at i'll i'll give everybody else a chance to respond and i'm also going to say something about what you've just said garabo i just do want to take a call here from stembiso in pumalanga hi stembiso Thanks for calling, Stephen. Uh, so hi. I'm I'm good, Pamelo, and also greetings to your guest there. Go ahead, uh, Pamelo. I'm deeply touched by a clip that you just played. Now mm. there is a picture that has been painted as South Africa is a well-spread country in the world. Mm. South Africa is not bad. South Africa is is the best country, I would say, in Africa. Because uh, I've 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 have a uh, lucky to visit uh uh in Mozambique. And the experience there we were in a funeral, but if you start thinking that the people are are, are, are oppressed there, they they feel like they, they hold their weight because they don't want to say anything. There's someone looking at them, what are you going to comment? And if you comment something about that, you're gonna be reported somewhere because you could South Africa is the best country. People have been have been brainwashed to say that uh, the, the the situation that happened in Mo in, in, in Zimbabwe will happen in South Africa. It will not happen. Yes. It's a very peaceful, I'm deeply touched <laughs> the way the woman, the, the, the lady there in the clip uh, uh, is feeling. So I, I'm, I'm just saying that uh, people should know that South Africa is not worth, it's not worth, it's the first country. That's my take, uh, Pamela. Thanks, man, Stempi. So let me quickly go to James. Hi, James, in Pomalanga. Hi, James. All right, James hasn't got a clear line. I'm going to try and get him on a better line. And while we do that, let's take a quick break and we'll be back with more. Pimelo Mutine on SAFM. All right, thanks very much for staying with us. We are discussing a plethora of stuff. I've got my guests in studio. One is coming through from uh, Bloemfontein Studio. That's Karabo Khakao, and who's a DA member of the Free State. These are all young women who are leaders in their own right in their political parties. Naledi Chira, he's an EFF member of Parliament. Fazia Hassan, ANC member of Parliament. Uh, we've invited a plethora of uh, other political parties, and the idea here is to try and represent constituencies, and that's exactly why we've invited them. We started off with the conversation around a young woman whose uh, video went viral yesterday. She was caught in the middle of the protest in Hong Kong. We all know that Hong Kong has been, you know, under, you know, there's been a lot of tension happening there in Hong Kong and they're now in day two of occupying the airport. So yesterday it got at some, at some point uh, a little bit rowdy. Tear gas, tear gas and so on um, was the order of the day and she was somehow caught in the middle of that. She was asked about her response and she, she said she was a Afraid and she didn't like this Hong Kong and you know this is why she left South Africa and so on she would probably have to think about coming back because this is not the Hong Kong she had come to um, to love essentially so everybody has has had their take on that let's go quickly to your calls before I go back to my guests uh, Ronald in Cape Town hi hello how are you good how are you Ronald go ahead 
I'm doing very well. I just want to say, firstly, uh, Happy Women's Month. Thanks, Ronald. I like. Thank you so much, Ronald. Yes, I just wanted to comment to what the lady was talking about, uh, Cape Town yes, providing on. better services, and uh, I feel it uh, unfair as uh, during the apartheid time, we did have a debt Cape Town being funded, being having all the services better than the other disabandoned. So I feel like we should look at where others are starting, like ANC in the rural areas. Those areas was not serviced at all. So we need to also relook at that. We just, just we don't just have to look at where it is now. It is because it was advantaged. So the second thing I would like to comment on is the lady that um, felt bad about Hong Kong. Yes. I think uh, the issue on that one is because they've captured the whole world, so they expect what they've already put it as a vision. So South Africa cannot be compared to other countries to that level because the way we live is different from others. So what I'm trying to say here is Mm -hmm. I think... She she is wrong to to feel like she can go represent the other country on the other country and compare countries. We really need to understand that our South Africa has got its own history. That is why where we are, we are like this. Shaka, so thank- thanks, Ronald. Thanks very much for that. Shaka in Cape Town. Uh, Karabo says uh, Cape Town, the Western Cape, is the the best you know you can get in this country. Do you feel like you are living in the best uh, place in this country? Happy Women's Day, Pamelo. Happy Women's Day, uh, Karabo. Ah, wana Shaka. I'm going to buy you a cupcake. Thank you, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Pamelo. Yes. May I totally totally disagree. Well, where, where I live, I live um, in a more privileged area. That's that's Brubeck. Mm-hmm. The services are excellent. Mm-hmm. But it's a scandalous shame when you go into the predominantly black areas, mm-hmm. predominantly colored areas. They are abandoned. Just over the weekend, I was in Tanun mm-hmm. on Friday. It is horrible. Black people are living in horrible conditions. I went into Kukulitu and Kailicha. Mm. It is horrible. All the white areas, predominantly white areas, have been taken care of by the DA. Mm. All other nations have been neglected. So the picture that we paint in that way, DA runs, things are all hunky-dory. Yes, for white people, not for black people. Shaka, you've said a mouthful. I'm going to have to break you there because we're going to have to go to the headlines. We're going to come back with our guests. We're going to continue with this discussion. Please join in 0891-104-207. You're more than welcome to weigh in on on this conversation. I've got three beautiful ladies and Karabo uh, Khao, who's a DA member of the Free State Legislature, and she's coming us uh, to us from Bloemfontein, and Naledi Chirwa, EFF Member of Parliament, Fazia Hassan, ANC Member of Parliament. We really are unpacking the issues of young people in this country. It's 1.30. Let's get the very latest in headlines with Uti Lesan. At SFM Radio and at Pimelo Mutile on Twitter.
Thanks very much for staying with us. It is 29 minutes to 2 o'clock. We are having uh, an open discussion with young people. We've invited uh, a number of young people from various political parties to share their views on how they feel represented and so on. The DA member of the Free State Legislature, Karabokhakao, is joining me in the Bloemfontein studio. Naledi Chirwa, EFF Member of Parliament, is joining us on the line. Fazia Hassan, ANC Member of Parliament, is also joining us on the line. Naledi Chirwa, uh, thanks very much for getting back to us. You've heard Heard all the comments. Okay, we've lost her. Fazia, are you still there? I'm here. <laughs> music and then I can't. Can you hear us? It's a very strange thing. So I'm hearing pieces of sentences. That, that's you, Fazia. Yes, now I can hear you properly. There was a strange thing going on. All right. Okay, so I mean, you, you want to weigh in on, on Karabo was mm. saying, you know, as a DA, you know, essentially coming from the the base was that um, it's it's okay for people to resent violence. It's okay for people to reject that kind of space, especially as women. And if they do, we need to stop labeling them as privileged and white and so on. We need to understand the fact that they have every right to be in a safe space. Your comment to that, Fazia? Mm. I think there's a few different issues here. Number one, in an ideal world, we all reject violence. I also don't want to live in a violent environment. But as a woman of color, the entire space is violent, right? I don't have a choice to opt out of violence, right? I don't have an opportunity to go to Hong Kong and opt out of what one might think is dire poverty. That's not an option that people have. And therein lies the privilege. So there's not an issue with someone disagreeing with protest or a manner of protest. It's the fact that it's seeming like it's an option to opt out of it, right? The people who are protesting in Hong Kong and who are shutting down the airport are doing so as a last line of defense of democracy and of human rights, right? So we need to be very careful when we talk about these issues and, 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 and make the assumption that there's an option to opt out of violence. Women in this country, particularly black women in this country, do not have that option, right? And this is also why I want to address in particular. There is still severe patriarchy and misogyny in the Western Cape. It didn't change just because it's DA-led. Women cannot walk around at night, particularly not in Langa, the Cape Flats, Mitchell Plain, etc. In fact, even more so women are unsafe in those spaces. So I need to first reject the notion that because something is DA-led, it's more pro-women. That's, that's completely incorrect and counterfactual. Women, a woman uh, was very recently arrested in Seapoint while she was waiting for a job interview. Her only crime was not even a crime, was to sit on a bench. So we need to be very clear that the issue of patriarchy is far more systemic. And it's not a thing that we can just change by being DA-led or ANC-led or ESF-led. This is going to require, I think, an approach by all political parties and our society. What we need to do is starting an education system. We need to raise people differently. And not just raise young girls differently, but to raise young boys as well. We need to deal with the issue of entitlement uh, and the lack of consent. We need to deal with how people feel um, and, and really push young women into certain ideas and saying, well, math and science is for boys. Uh, you can go, you know, towards your history and geography. And I'm, I'm making a, a very a reductionist example, but I'm just trying to show that this kind of change needs to start from a grassroots level. And it's not just a, one political party that's going to be able to do it. In fact, the fact that you are seeing young women now in, uh, in parliament and in legislatures may be the beginning of that change, but it can't happen only top down. It needs to begin bottom up. And that's something that we need to deal with. And the last point I wanted to make is that on a, a, in terms of numbers, Kauteng has created more jobs than any other province, but that's less the point today. I think the point here that we need to make is that there's a systemic structural issue and we need to address it. And we also need to understand that it's not just about one political party. 
It requires, I think, intervention from all levels. So, so hold on a minute, Fazia. You were saying Gauteng is? I, I didn't get all of what you were saying. Gauteng is yes. the best. What were you saying? So what I was saying is that um, the notion that the Western Cape has uh, created more jobs is factually incorrect. Gauteng, in the last five years, has created more jobs in any other province in the country. And if anyone wants the specific numbers, I'm very happy uh, to share it on my social media and we can uh, check that further. But this has been confirmed, uh, in fact, by DTI and other uh, uh, sort of bodies who look at unemployment and the number of jobs, in, and I mean net jobs. I mean, new jobs that we've been able to create. To, to both yourself, Garabo and Fazia, I mean, f- throwing these stats, quite honestly, I mean, I think there's no point even at looking at I the data, that looking at the data itself, because it is about the lived experience. So if Garabo says to me, you know, the Western Cape is the best managed and whatever, if I live in an area where I don't feel safe, where this past weekend, 40 plus people were killed because of gang violence, it doesn't matter what numbers you are going to throw at me, Garabo, because my lived experience experience is that in that specific province that you are boasting to be the most best and the whatever, it's not those people's lived experience. So, Naledi, you want to react to that? Yeah, I mean, I think it's, you know, it's a good conversation and not be honest about the reality of women, of black women in South Africa. It makes absolutely no difference. Um, the fact that structurally there has been no attempt from both the DNA and the government in the country um, the Western case for the DM, the ANC, the other countries and other provinces. The fact that I'm an independent ANC have not changed the lives of black women. Black women are so vulnerable and their lives are so easily disposable, even in the same workplaces. If you talk about EPWP, those are the same jobs the women have to keep with in order to get a, to get a job for the EPWP. And there is no current system currently that deals against misogyny and paycheck at a structural level, especially in state institutions. Kunamaji has got the SATA, which is found to be the most corrupt institution in South Africa. And that's the one institution that's supposed to guard and protect the rights of women, especially black women. Kunamaji, we are sitting on 100 per day on average. Uh, when you tell me about jobs, what are you telling me exactly about the reality of these women who get raped and most of them don't even report? Because the SATS also take you through secondary fellow violence. The police violate you and they teach you like the information scheme is not true. And secondly, We've got uh, under-resourcement of evidence kits around the country. In 80% of police stations around the country, there are no evidence kits. This means that the state is directly complicit in the, in the, in the rendering of women's justice for rape, meant to be futile. This means that, this means that the state is directly uh, complicit with the fact that there were a percentage of less than 4% conviction for rape cases. What does that tell us? It tells us that even the state brings back the very same people we take to them. Uh, 96% of rapists come back into our homes, come back into our schools, come back into our churches, come back into our workspaces because the state is not capacitated to deal with the issues of women currently. So I think it is very misleading to go about uh, saying that we have been better than this, aim to be better than Currently, the lives of black women remain unchanged. When you look at even the employment of unemployment, black women are there at the top. And the current average of unemployment is 71%, but women is at 1%, and black women are 40%. So this is gender, and not only gender, but it's racial as well. So to even erase the gender and racial lens from the conversation actually takes us back, because then who are we thinking of liberation of all? It is exclusive of black women. But, I mean, Naledi, it's, it's always good criticizing what's the solution. There can be many things that can be done to remove the situation. Now, firstly, there should be gendered, uh, gender sensitive or gender missing budgeting in the country. Currently, we don't have that. 
like a small issue like lighting in the rural area is actually a safety issue for black women. If the municipality in Dawoon is not putting in sufficient lights, this means that women's safety is put at danger. Number two, our public transport is not regulated the way it should be, or rather can be can be regulated. So what does that also give us? It tells us that women also can't even access public spaces, can't even access the economic hub, because the public transport system also puts our lives in danger. So the regulation of transport is also necessary. And number three, we need to be uh, very uh, intentive on redirecting and transforming the economic system. Now, what am I saying? Politically, socially, economically, black women must be through legislation taken to 50% of leadership positions in the country, economically, socially, and politically. We've not seen that happen. In fact, even in parliament, there's an under-representation of women because we are sitting at 48%. So even Nahu media, we're talking about media representation as well. Now, patriarchy is a language that is very aggressive. It's like white supremacy. It exaggerates itself. So when you watch the news, you see men all the time. It doesn't matter what women say. Even in the same parliament that we are talking about, the moment caucus that happens in parliament almost monthly. Do we get to see that on the news? No. But what the news would rather show up is malicious pictures, pinky finger, and people telling each other misogynistic language. So even the media is very competitive, just like white supremacy and white privilege, which exaggerates its existence. And number four, uh, the issue of land. Land exploitation without compensation should stand up black women. There is no a language of economic emancipation that is void of land. And in the past 25 years, black women in rural areas and township areas have been inaccessible or cannot access land. And when they do, they can't even take the proceeds from that land, despite the fact that black women actually provide 80% of the world's food to agriculture. Uh, so these things are systemic, right? You can't uh, talk about hunger and poverty and not link it directly to land ownership. You can't talk about safety and not talk about the corruption in APTS and who is responsible for that. And I have seen corruption. Many people think corruption is a small thing, but it's actually a big thing. When you take Iman, you want to learn RTT, you are actually taking a home for a black woman who could have left an abusive relationship that is now in that business because you don't even have a home for her own children. So corruption should also be ranking up there in issues that we should be dealing with because the money that is being stolen is the money that is supposed to empower black women and black kids because I'm tragic. The poor of collective in the country is black women and children. Um, so all of these things, there's many things that we could go on forever. We could so, talk about uh, gendering and putting uh, mainstreaming Hold it there because I need to give them a time to respond and I want you, you guys to weigh in on this as well. Uh, 0891-104-207. I mean, you've, you've, you've touched on many, many things. I do want to bring it back to you as young people, not, not the big umbrella ideas. Karabo, you've heard the comments. You've heard the criticisms. What's your comment? Karabo? In, yeah, yes, can you hear me? Yes, I can. Yeah, but I'm saying so the first thing is until we can all exist in a world where the institutions that are meant to protect people work effectively, we are always going to have this kind of conversation. So what do I mean? So Una Lady is spot on when she speaks of the levels of corruption that we ex- that we experience within SUPS. But beyond that, and this is why as the Democratic Alliance we've been trying to advocate for a provincialized system of, 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 of the police to ensure that the mandate of security is more on the ground and direct through provinces. So, so that's the first thing. The second thing that we need to deal with as well is to do away with the idea that conversations on what it means to be a woman, how
how to succeed as a woman in society need to happen within a political space alone. This is not a conversation only for us as legislators to have, but this is a conversation for households to have. It starts with the upbringing. It starts with how you condition your son and your daughter growing up on how the the, the levels are, on, on the types of gender roles they're meant to assume in life, the kind of careers they're supposed to pursue, the kind of lives they're supposed to have, the kind of submissions they're supposed to have to different people at the same time. I'm going to give you an example. The idea that when I grow up as a woman, in order for me to faithfully and, 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 and qualify a woman, I need to have been married to a man or else I do not qualify a man, perpetuates the idea again that in order for any woman to assume power in society, they need to be a sub-subject of a man, which is ridiculous. And that's, these, are, these are the kind of ideas that we see perpetuating in society. These are the kind of ideas that leave room for the awkward representation of, of women women in, uh, um, in, in media spaces in terms of their, their, their sexual appearances alone. It's all fair and great for us to exist in a world where we can have conversations on how young women are occupying spaces, women are flying flights, women are making changes. We have the first black woman doing what? The other first black woman, the other woman doing this. But until we get to a point where the reportings on women also give them dignity and do not reduce them to sexual objects, is uh, um, we're, we're not moving. All right, let me but take those calls on 0891-104-207. I've got James from Nelspread on the line. Hi, James. Hello, how are you? Good, James, go ahead. I'm good. Yeah, I wanted to comment on the issue yeah, about the lady in Hong Kong, guys. Mm. Go ahead, James. When I saw the TV clip in the morning, I was really, really, really disappointed. Mm. Like... First of all, it's a lady, a person who we look up to on Women's Month, on top of it. She was supposed to be in the front line if she really want to be in Hong Kong, pushing for what is right, what needs to be done, done to be caught in the middle of the act. Yeah, James, what is, what, is, what is her being a woman got to do with this? Her being a woman from South Africa in this month, yeah. It is. Hello? Yes, I'm listening, James. Yeah, her being a woman from South Africa on this month, it feels like, for me, it feels like she was supposed to be leading from example, regardless of where she is. Because for me, Women's Month, it doesn't mean her being caught up in the middle of the eggs. How is like being she, concerned about one's be safety a conversation with a woman or not? Like, if, pardon? Just got up, let him give, let's give him a chance to continue what he wants to say. Go ahead, James. All right, we've lost James. Uh, Fazia, uh, you know, you yourself were just saying earlier that, you know, you you don't agree with violence and so on. It wasn't so long ago, in fact, that we had uh, some members of your party within your own ranks as a youth league who were talking about forming a mini uh, army camp base or something. And and I mean, how is that going to help us in, in understanding the role of violence in where we are right now? Mm-hmm. Look, the first thing is that the Youth League has been disbanded, so there is no technical uh, Youth League as per AMC's recent uh, meeting. Um, but the second is that we exist, and I mean, I'm going to speak as a woman here, we exist in a society, particularly in South Africa, which is inherently violent. And when you hear many people trying to say, well, 
let's train with arms. Let's, you know, let's bring more guns into a situation with already, where we already have a problem of guns and violence. It's something that I think overlooks what the actual issue is. I don't think it's going to be useful uh, to deal with the issue of violence by meeting it in this particular issue uh, with more violence. I think there's a much bigger systematic issue. And for me, number one, economic, right? Um, and number two, it's also about providing the right opportunity. So in actual fact, one focus, energies and effort should rather be looking at what can we do in the positions that we exist in to make society more favorable to marginalized groups, one of which is women one of which is young people, and one of which is also people who live with um, uh, disabilities, differently abled people, or even people belonging to the LGBTIQA plus uh, community. So really, I think the ultimate thing that we need to be doing right now, and I think Naledi spoke of it as well, is in every policy, in every intervention, whether government or non-government, we need to look at the impact it's going to have on these marginalized groups. So and if the impact is going to be negative, then we need to alter our approach. And it's not a negative bias. In fact, what we're doing is we're putting women in particular at the forefront of change in society. So I want to ask back this question to you, Fazia, and yourself, Naledi and Karabo. Yourselves are at you know, you've got better proximity as young people to leadership. And so when you when you respond to me and say to, to me, Fazia, no, 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 the ANC Youth League has been disbanded. Well, they continue to speak. They continue to, to have some constituency. They continue to be sending out these messages. Your proximity to them should at least influence something. It's mm-hmm. not. Mm-hmm. So look, the constituency of young people in the ANC, of course, will always exist, right? So it's not a question of them not existing. What is in question is the leadership of that. And if one talks about proximity, what we're doing now is we're ensuring that not only is uh, our problematic structures or defunct structures of the Youth League being removed, but now there's an ongoing project of renewal, particularly within the Youth League. In many ways, we're pressing a a factory reset button, I mean, for lack of a better uh, metaphor, in order for us to go back into branches, go back into regions, etc., etc., and set up more progressive committees and more progressive um, um, not just policy, but practices. And that is something that is happening. Of course, we're in a growing period. It is difficult, right? Uh, we, uh, I mean, and this is something that Karabo will have faced, Naledi will even you will face, all women actually, pushback of women leaders, not just in the political space, but in media spaces, in, in corporate spaces, etc. And so at all times, we're seeing this kind of clash. Uh, I don't think we should be shocked when we see this clash, but I do think that we then need to ask ourselves, well, what can we do to support women in these positions? How can we ensure that women come out at the end of it actually having empowered more than just one person? And the last point I just want to say before I hand over, mm-hmm. it's something that someone has said to me very recently. If you are the only woman sitting at the table, then you have done something wrong. It cannot be that there is only one woman at the table. We need to ensure that we are paving the way for generations of young women to enter the space and make it a, a normalized factor to have women at the table not a special or exceptional fact. 891 I'll be taking more of your calls. We're in conversation with one with young people and uh, uh, three young ladies, one from the DA, the EFF and the ANC. And your comments are welcome about how they see the world from where they are sitting at the moment. Life Happens with Pimelo Mutine on SAFM, leading the conversation.
We are in conversation with young people and uh, this is an open conversation where you can also weigh in on it, 0891-104-207. We're really speaking broadly about issues of young people and, and how they influence um, where they are, for instance, their position, how their positions influence the role of young people in society and how they're included in society. I've got Garabo Khao, who is a DA member of the Free State Legislature, and Naledi Shirwa, who is EFF Member of Parliament, Fazia Hassan, ANC Member of Parliament, Again, I want to ask you, let me take to you, Naledi. I was saying your proximity to leadership, where you stand, let's talk about your influence and how you are going to affect change. I mean, obviously, with our you know, introduction to the excellence of power, mm. there's some kind of influence that we afforded as young black women. Like, mm. for instance, if you're talking about Senator Powell, yeah. then my perspective is not going to be the same perspective as Cyril Ramaphosa. When we talk about uh, for children, for me, I won't reason with 400 grand, but still Ramaphosa might reason with 400 grand because the primary parenthood is mostly on the, on the, on the shoulders of, of women. We are the primary parents. So how we see policy making, how we see legislation, how we see implementation is definitely different. That's why it's more important for women to be represented um, in different in different needs of power. And then secondly, I think we are not uh, emphasizing enough the role of society and how a country should, or rather how a country is led. Um, there are systems which can be used at the disposal of civil society, which are not being exploited enough, um, because obviously it serves the agenda of keeping the status quo as it remains. Like, for example, public engagement with parliament are open. People do not know that they can engage with the policies that are being discussed in parliament and debated in parliament. People, uh, people can submit written uh, submissions, can submit... Uh, oral submission into Parliament, but this is not information that's readily available to each and every person, especially women, because we are taught to think that politics is something that is taboo for us. You know, it's not a space that belongs to us, especially if you're young, if you're from a rural area or from a township area. You don't see politics in space as specific, and that's also because of toxicity within the space that is anti-black women, uh, particularly. But civil society has made a very a very uh, focal kind of change in South Africa. The gender summit that we had last year was because of civil society. Women of South Africa took to the streets and said, we want our rights to prioritize. And what happened in a gender summit? And it doesn't stop there. Konamaji was discussing many things in Parliament, but people are not even having uh, the knowledge to know that they can also form part of that uh, exercise. And secondly, we must hold people to account. And that is a job of civil society. If someone is found to be corrupt, if civil society does not make the noise, the necessary noise, media will form part of the whole thing because we know that media is a propagandist machine. It will form part of silencing the voices that are supposed to be happening. The only reason why this must all happen on a scale that it did was because young people were like, you know what, so media age. We are going to archive ourselves academically, we are going to archive ourselves on social media, and we are going to take to the street. Unfortunately, this is the only route, or rather a most, the most prevalent route of ensuring that governance Works for the people. People do protest, right? We've seen protest culture around the country. There's different protests every single day around the country. Let me, let me come in there, Naledi. Let me come in there. There is a caller, and I'm worried about time. Uh, Denzel and Kimberly, Hi. you want to comment? Hi. Hello, ma'am. Hi. Uh, I'd like to comment on the ladies there, ma'am. Go ahead, Denzel. And uh, can I continue? Ye- yes, go ahead, Denzel. Hello? Yes, go ahead. We can hear you loud and clear. Can you hear us? Okay. Yes. Yes, ma'am. Uh, you see, in the past time when the woman was striking on the 9th, uh, mm-hmm. those women 
they, they were striking at one. But when I'm listening to those young ladies here, they are all talking forward. Uh, they are all representing their own political parties. Those here, when, when the woman strikes that day, they decided to strike. They didn't. There were political parties involved, but they, was, they, they stood as one. And I, just, I can't hear this from them. And that is what I want to hear. That is what would satisfy me. That is what. That is when I will know this country is heading in the right direction. Thanks. Because they are the youth. They must think ahead for the future. Stop this political nonsense. Thanks, Denzel. I'm going to leave it there because your line isn't great. I'm going to give you a minute to to close. And basically, I think Denzel's point is, you know, when you look around uh, as as political parties, where you've been tasked with cooperating with one another, it hasn't worked. And you were you were right, Naledi, in talking about fees must fall. My take is that actually civil society, the normal person on the ground, has been at the forefront yes. of change. Yes. But often it is at the forefront of change in collaboration with others. Yes. Mm, go ahead, Naledi, and then you can um, you can close it up, please. I think that was the thing that I wanted to raise, that mm. we must stop seeing politics or the political space as an arena that's afforded to a few people. Mm. That is something that we were taught and we're supposed to disown that narrative. It's something that the space that should be owned by us. That is why the government is for us, by us, with us. Mm. Right? Um, and we should directly implement and perform it like it is the case. And if we are adamant on choosing an administration, unfortunately, our country is a multi-party country. You can't, you can't ignore the fact that uh, that is how administration is chosen. You know, it does not help if a 10% party comes with good policies but cannot implement because they are rejected in parliament. Um, that is why Silver also plays an important role. Firstly, in choosing the right administration. And secondly, holding the administration to account and thirdly, being directly involved. That is the only way to see change to be able to take place. And I'm not thinking about violence, but I think it will take us an entire, an entire three yeah. hours to talk about yeah. how to deal with violence directly. But yeah. it's different way. You've, talk, you've spoken about it. You've raised many pertinent questions and issues. But I think from here onwards, onwards from March, we must ensure even our own police stations, that we know how many rape cases are there, that we know the investigative officers, that we are in contact with them, we have issues at the public hospital. The public servants in Parliament are there to assist you. Call us, DM us. Tell us my case is not being taken seriously. Tell me that I'm being turned away from police station. You know, uh, because you are not being accessible after they rise to the powers, uh, to the excellence of power. They stop accounting the same procedure that, that elected them to represent them. So we must stop seeing even Abu Dhabi as people that are far from us. No, their DMs must be open. If they are not open, there must be an outrage that your DM is not open and I don't elect you to have a large following that is not even Naledi, I'm going to have to wrap it's it up. I'm going to have to wrap right. it up. Naledi Chiro, who's an EFF member of parliament. Thanks for that. Fazia, you want to have your last comments? Quickly, one minute for you. Yeah, look, I think um, there have been very important points that have been raised, particularly, I think, by callers, which show the kind of work that we need to be doing in communities around conscientization and women empowerment and feminism, etc. Um, but I also agree with uh, uh, Naledi that we exist in a multi-party uh, democracy. We can't run away from it at all. And in actual fact, we need to look at it as an opportunity uh, for us to build society, I think, from a much more powerful point of view. So it's not just that it's one, and I keep saying this, it's not just one political party. I fully agree that it's civil society and grassroots organizations in partnership with each other. Uh, in fact, that's really how we're going to be able to change mm-hmm. society. And I mean, obviously, having been at the forefront of these for four weeks, we saw examples of how we were able to, at least for 
particular objective yeah. overcome party politics. Garabo, your comments, so last comments, that please. I impossible. I think yeah. it's a very possible notion. Garabo, your last comments. Pamela, life happens, and as life happens, we need to have institutions that ensure that life continues to happen. We need to ensure that we have municipalities that are effective. We need to ensure that we have government institutions that act accordingly. We don't have to have corrupt cases. We need to have policy direction that speaks towards the betterment and empowerment of people, economically, socially, and politically so. No, we need to make sure that when we have departments such as the National Department, um, the one that deals with women, people, um, differently abled beings and young people, have their, their budgets focused on what exactly they're supposed to be doing instead of policy um, revampments that we we continuously witness within these these spaces. And one last thing, the conversation on women empowerment is not only a conversation on women. That conversation includes men also, particularly because if we're going to change a patriarchal society, we're going to have to change the mindsets of men as well. We need to ensure that we ultimately have a society where all those who exist in it can share in into it and ultimately work to, towards um, bettering it together. We're going and to, have same- to have to leave it there. I'm so fortunately, Garabo, I'm going to have to cut you there. Garabo Khakao, DA member of the Free State Legislature, Naledi Shirwa, EFF member of parliament, Fazia Hassan, NC member of parliament. Our conversation with young people about how they see themselves in South Africa today. It's just gone two o'clock.